What is happening, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Backmarker Podcast. I really hope this time around um, this goes into a new episode and not a, and not a segment on the silly season, silly season update episode. If it does, I apologize. I'll try to figure out what the hell's going on. But at any rate, this is episode 22, I think. 22 or 23. Um, anyways... I'm pretty sure this one's going to be a shorter, a short podcast just because there really isn't a whole lot to talk about except for the uh, British Grand Prix. Um, there is a not a whole lot of F1 news. I'm just scrolling through it right now. I've been trying to dig through it, um, but it's just a lot of speculation and stuff that I really don't care about um, and not really going to get into. Um, so, yeah, this is probably going to be a shorter, uh, short one, probably one of the shortest ones we've had, which is good news for you guys because um, there will be less time you have to listen to m- me rant on. Um, anyways, let's get down to business. Um, so the British Grand Prix was actually very exciting um if this is what we if, if this is what we have to look forward to with these new uh tire pressure uh rules sign me up this this is this is the kind of racing well for the most part this is the kind of racing that I think a lot of us most of us want um uh, we want these tight battles we want these last lap passes so forth and so on and even with the um, change to the start-finish line, it was still a pretty fucking awesome race. Um, and kudos to Aleish for following up his his miraculous third place, I think it was third place uh, last, last time out, with a victory for Aprilia. Um, and being, you know, and Aprilia finishing... T- taking three of the top five spots, uh, Brassers Oliveira <laughs> taking fourth, and Maverick Vinales taking fifth, even after punting uh, Jack Miller off, which I still don't understand how Maverick didn't get a penalty for that. But um, I guess that's what we've come to expect with stewards now. Is you know, if if you're on, if depending on what bike you're on or who you punt off. Um, you may or may not get a penalty. Um, yeah, but anyways, uh, kudos to, I I just want to give a shout out to, um, there was a lot of riders who went through the field and finished higher than they, they normally have. Um, especially a big shout out and kudos and congrats to Polis Bargro, who uh, first race back after that extremely horrifying wreck, finished 12th um, and got four points out of that. Um, and, you know, considering where the Yamahas were, they didn't finish too bad either. So let's just go down the order, shall we? Uh, obviously, Alicia finished first, Peko second, Brad Bender third, Brazzers fourth, Maverick fifth. Jorge Martin, sixth, 
Luca Marini surprisingly didn't crash out and finish seventh. Um, probably because he gave all his crashing juju to um, Marco. Uh, and then Jack Miller was able to to scrap out an eighth place finish even after being putted off by Maverick. Uh, Johan Zarco, ninth. Raul, again, Aprilia. They really, really like Silverstone. Uh, tenth, Augusto Fernandez. And 11th, Paul Espargo, like I said, 12th, Fabio Di Gian Antonio. Dude has been pretty hot at Silverstone. It's, am- it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how people perform when they, they either know they're fighting, they know they're fighting for their seat, or in the case of Franco Morbidelli, they know they're not going to be on, they're no, they know they're not going to be on, the team anymore. So they're basically auditioning, even though from what it sounds like, he's going to be on, um, on the Ducati next year. And we'll actually get into that a little bit, uh, later on. So going down the list, Franco 14th, Fabio 15th, Takaki 16th, the highest finishing Honda, Ikulekawona 17th. And then we get to the DNFs, Enea Bastianini, who once again had a little run-in with Mark, only this time, at least luckily for him, he wasn't injured. And then like and then speaking of Mark, finished 19th, Bezeki 20th, Alex Marquez 21st, and Juan Mir 22nd. Um and a couple stats that I that I was told about in terms of Honda. Mark Marquez has yet to finish a Grand Prix race this season. Let that sink in. Um, and I think... Yeah, I, don't, I don't even know how long it's been since he's actually finished a Grand Prix. Um, and then Juan Mir, I mean, the guy... He just can't catch a break. He, he honestly can't catch a break. Um, and I feel, for, and I do feel for, for Joan. Um, you know, nobody, nobody deserves the kind of luck that he's having. Um, so hopefully this will be, hopefully he'll find greener pastures next year. Um, yeah, just going through the list or going through the standings. I mean, Bezeki, that was, that was a big surprise. I think for a lot of people, I think I had, think in my picks for, for this race, um, I had him and Pecco in the top two, um, and I forget who else. I think it was Jorge, Jorge Martin or, or Zarco finishing. Basically, I had a Ducati one, two, three. Um, and everything leading up to the race basically showed us that Marco was going to either win it or battle Pecco for the win. Um, but obviously, it's... I think it was a. I think it was the arrow, and Simon. Simon pointed out that it, that it. It was probably the wash that he was getting from Peko caused him to lose the front tire, um, but I also think that it has it has something to do with the temperatures, and the track because all weekend long we were hearing about how. How cold it was and how the track was just not. It soaked up. It soaked up that 
that cold weather. Um, and they just could not get those tires to, to, to operate in the temperature range they needed them to, they needed them to, um, which was good and bad for us because obviously it made for some exciting racing. Um, but it also shook up the, the championship standings. Um, and as of right now, Jorge Martin is behind Peco, albeit, uh, if I'm doing my math right, 41 points behind. So it is looking more and more, it is looking more and more likely that Peco is going to be the back-to-back champion. Now, I'm not going to crown him yet because as we saw last year, even a 91-point lead isn't safe. Um, and Peko, he's he's hot and cold. You know, he either wins the race or he crashes out. Um, but he is learning. Um, he's learning quite a bit on how to be smart and just take the points where he can get it instead of trying to push um, push beyond the envelope, push beyond the edge. Um, and then with that crash, Marco uh, finished is now down to third. Brad Binder is fourth. Zarco fifth. Aleish sixth. With that win, he's tied with Luca Marini. Um, actually, he's not tied with him. He's above him, even though they're tied for points. That's only because it looks like his the last two rounds, um, I don't know how the tiebreaker comes out, but I'm probably sure it's down to um, highest finishes. Um because Luca has yet to win, obviously, after today, Aleish won. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm just looking at this. I'm just looking at the point standings. Marquez is 19th. And <laughs> Alex Renz is one, two, three, four places above Mark. And he's missed out on the last one, two, three, four, five rounds. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, just the names, just the names, and where they are this season is very atypical. Um, but we're also halfway through the season, and there's still a lot more to. To, there's still a lot more races to go. Uh, next up, we have Austria. I think it's not this week, but the following week. Then we have uh, one of the two trips to Spain. And then India is is coming up. So that's, that's going to be the big... That's probably going to be the biggest wild card is the India track and seeing who can figure it out. Um the quickest. Um, but yeah, going, following up on, on Franco Morbidelli. Um, personally, I think he's going to go with, I personally, I think he's going to go to VR 46. Um, and I think Bezecchi is going to go to Grissini and take Fabio Di Gian Antonio's spot. Uh, I don't think he's going... I don't think Marco's going to go to Pramac, mainly because I don't see them moving on from Jorge Martin or Johan Zarco, for that matter. Um, I know I've talked to a couple people, and, and 
there's speculation that Zarco, Zarco and the team aren't gelling, meshing very well. And I, I'm not sure I agree with that. But at the same time, I mean, Zarco seems like kind of, he seems like a very unique character. Um, so I can see him not meshing with everyone on there. But I also think that he's, he's, um, he's, a, valuable as, he's a valuable asset to the team. Um, you know, he, he rarely crashes out. Um, and he's, he always finishes strong. He's the exact opposite of, of Miller. Um, and granted, you know, Ducati has like, Ducati has, has half the bike, half the grid filled with their bikes. So they don't really need to worry about constructors championship, but he's also experienced enough, not just on the Ducati, but with other bikes as well to where he can be a good test rider um, for Ducati. And, you know, granted, they, they've got 30 fucking bikes on the grid, so they really don't need, they don't need one specific person to test their bikes um, when, they have, when they have all of them. But, you know, he's still, I, I believe he's still valuable nonetheless. Um, and FDG, he's just, he's not, he's not proving to everyone that he, that he belongs in the MotoGP grid. Um, and if this is what, and if having his, and if his job security being threatened is what causes him to kind of find that extra gear, then maybe he doesn't have the mental fortitude to stay in MotoGP. You know, because I mean, if it's like the boy who cries wolf, if if you ha- if they have to tell you every single time, hey, you know, you, you don't you don't perform, you're gonna get we're gonna move on. I mean, you shouldn't have they shouldn't have to dangle that <laughs> they shouldn't have to dangle that that weight above your head, you know that to to make you perform to the best of your abilities. And maybe it's him. Maybe it's also the team. I don't know. Um, but I think it's a, it's a case of too little, too late um, for FDG. Um, but being that VR46 is going to switch to Yamaha after next year, or maybe even after this year, we, we still don't know the. We still don't know the the whole story behind that. I don't think that Marco is going to want to to be on a bike that is that needs a lot of development and throw away throw away at least a year, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. But I don't think he's going to want to go from a title contending bike to a bike that is that is going to contend for points and not podiums and not victories. 
Um, but we'll see what we'll see what Rossi and the VR46 team does because I believe that they still have him under contract, um, and they may want him to st- to stay with to stay on with their team and and therefore be on Yamaha. But I think if if anything, um, Marco's going to want to jump. Jump the VR46 team before they switch to Yamaha and stay on the Ducati. Um, and I think the easiest way, the, 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 the easiest and fastest route is for him to take the seat at Grissi. Um And whether he gets a factory contract and, and um, and the current spec bike and not last year's bike is that, that's just things that can be worked out later. Um, yeah, that's that's why th- that's how I think that's going to unfold. Um, Franco Morbidelli, I think he he deserves he deserves a shot with with a team and a bike that will support him because um, he has shown he has shown potential. He has shown that he's quick. He's shown that he's able to um, develop the bike because um, I think. When I forget what part that that Yamaha put on, I think it was the exhaust or something like that. They basically had when they went through their test, um, they threw a new part on the bike. Fabio said he Fabio said it, it he felt no change, he didn't do anything for the bike, and Franco could feel the difference in the bike. Um, and I think he said that it, it wasn't much, but it was there. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't going to make the bike quicker, but he could, or it wasn't going to make the bike, you know, just jump from, you know, it wasn't a huge improvement, but it was, he could feel a slight improvement with, I think it was the exhaust. Um, so he's got the mindset, but like I said, I think he deserves a, I think he deserves a shot on the Ducati. See what he's made of, and you know if he if he can't cash it in, then you know he had he. Nobody can say that he didn't have that he didn't get his fair his a fair shot at it because you know, he's he's been on the grid for for how, for years and years and years, and granted, he some of those years were with with a team that we all know isn't the most writer friendly. Um, but still, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm starting to drone on here. So let me just switch gears here real quick. Um, also trying to make it to half an hour. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to make it anyways. Um, so let's move on to some MotoGP news. Um, and here's a little speculation, not, uh, again, this is going to be a live, this is going to be live reaction, live read. Um, this is courtesy of GP1 and Matteo Aglio. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Uh, MotoGP and Honda offer Zarco a seat in LCR. Morbidelli approaches Grissini. Um, so let's read this, shall we? So let me see here. Get through all these 
freaking paywalls. So yeah, I'll just start at the beginning because this... All right, so yeah, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, the MotoGP rider market for next year is an interlocking game with few vac vacancies still to be filled. Honda has made the latest move, offering Johan Zarco the seat left by Alex Rins and the LCR team. Um, as Carlo Pernat told us, told them, GP1. Um, who the fuck is Carlo Pernat? Let me do a quick little research on him. Carlo Burnett. Um, oh, well, he is the guy who said that Alex Rins had an agreement with Yamaha. So, and he is a manager. So maybe it's maybe that's not all complete bullshit. That would be interesting though if Zarco if Zarco went to LCR, then that leaves then that's obviously going to leave. Um, that's interesting. Let's read on this. Um, the Frenchman has the right profile to fill fill that void and could be very useful to the cause, thanks to his experience and skills as a test rider. After all, in Ducati, competition from young riders is strong, and the man from Khan could even decide to leave leave Ducati for Yamaha. Also, because it seems that the offer he has received is very attractive, and there would be a two-year contract on the plate. Um, already in 2019, there was an approach between Honda and Zarco in the latter. After the divorce with KTM, raced the last three GPs of the year with Chechenello's team as a replacement for Nakagami. That experience, however, did not materialize in an offer, and John found a place in Ducati. Um, if Marco, and this is Bezecchi, if Marco were to remain in the VR46 team, it remains to be seen with with what treatment, whether or not he will have an official bike. At that point, the Grissini team could open his doors to Franco Morbidelli. In this case, Free Ducati would remain in Pramac, and Paolo Campanotti might think of putting in Tony Arbolino in that spot. If instead Bezeki moves to Pramac, then Franco's destination would be Vera 46 with Arbolino, who might arrive from Grissini. So, it sounds like I'm... Wow. That's interesting to me. Um, I would love to know why Zarco would want to move to Honda. I honestly would like to know that. Um, you know, obviously, it's, if it's a two-year deal, then it's, pro, then it's probably going to be, and as I said, it was very attractive. So uh, I would love to know if there's something more than just because of the money and the job security. doesn't sound like there is because it sounds like Honda's still very far off with um, making that bike competitive. And also, if you're going to have Mark Mark on that team next year, which is sounding more and more likely, uh, is he going to keep up his, his ways of sabotaging the other riders and the team so that he can remain the top dog? Or is he going to finally realize that it takes a, 
it takes the entire team to make a champ to win a championship. Especially when you have a juggernaut like Ducati that you're battling against. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Okay, so the second and final article is courtesy of Motorsport.com and Lewis Duncan. Quattarara admits Japanese MotoGP bikes pace embarrassing their riders. Uh, Having qualified last, Yamaha rider Quattarara could do no better than the 21st in the 10 last sprint on Saturday at Silverstone. For much of the contest, all the six riders and Japanese bikes occupied the bottom six places on the field, with only Franco Morbidelli marginally sparing, sparring blushes by taking the checkered flag in 15th. Uh, continue the dearth in results. The Japanese with well, dearth, wow. Really pulling pulling out, <laughs> pulling out the, the, the source for that one. Holy shit. Uh, results the Japanese manufacturers have experienced for much of 2023. Asked by Motorsport.com if you felt the riders of the Yamaha and Honda are being embarrassed by the Japanese manufacturers right now. Quattro replied, well, of course. I mean, if you check, nowadays more than European bikes than the Japanese bikes. But there is not one Japanese manufacturer rider on the top and others bottom. All of us are down. Uh, okay, my French accent is fucking terrible tonight. Not going to do that anymore. All of us are down, so for sure we are doing something wrong. But especially from my side, starting starting that far down, we will have to do something totally different tomorrow. We have nothing to lose, and my priority now is to try to improve, to be more in front and make a step forward in the coming races. Where normally in the second half of the season is where we drop down. <coughs> you don't say! <laughs> uh, Quasarol explained that his lowly grid spot was down to a misunderstanding quote-unquote, in Q1 when he boxed following an off at, vet, at Vale, in which the mechanic was in the back of the garage when he needed service, leaving him with time for only one flying lap. Wow. That's a Ferrari move right there. Admitting keeping his motivation through this his tough times was getting harder. Quattro says in his 2023 season is worse than his lackluster Moto2 years in 17 and 18. Um... Morbidelli noted that the gulf between the Japanese and European marquees was already big in the second half of last season with Quattro's amazing power of will masking the Yamaha's troubles. Uh, LCR's Honda's Takaki Nakagami, who was one spot ahead of Quattro in the sprint, says the form of the Japanese bikes was a shock. Was it really? Um, Yeah. That's interesting, though, that they had that kind of a, a boneheaded move um, in the pits. Like I said, that sounds a lot like Ferrari. And Yamaha doesn't need, <laughs> Yamaha does not need any more errors than what is being... Yamaha doesn't need any more help in making their season already pretty fucking miserable. Um, but yeah, uh, and then on a final note, um, I'm sure most of you have already seen, um, 
Uh, yeah, you know, actually, no, I'm not even going to talk about it. It's it's over. It's done with. I'm just. Well, I'll just say this: um, the whole the whole beef with me and Simon. Um, he replied to my comment. I've yet to read it, obviously, because I'm doing this. But, um, you know, I I will say this. We all can do a better job of improving ourselves every day. Um, But things, if something is broken for an extended period of time and there is multiple opportunities to improve it, being supportive and being, you know, comforting and basically, basically not giving them a kick in the ass doesn't work. Um, I, I, and I've said this before, I respect, well, I respect Simon as an expert an analyst on motorcycle racing and MotoGP. Um, obviously, he crossed the line and there was there was no need for it. Um, he wasn't entirely wrong, but he wasn't entirely right. Um, but the stewards... Something needs to change with the race stewards. And I said this in, and I made a comment in my story, uh, in my storyline, calling them to be fired. And they do. Because we are halfway through the season, and we are still seeing the same issues that we saw at the beginning of the season. Um, and I and like And I hinted this before. Why Maverick wasn't given a penalty for for his lunge, I don't know. Um, and then also, um, Pecco possibly, possibly, possibly exceeding track limits. And Simon, and I think uh, Oscar is his name, uh, their explanation is valid. It could be, it could be something as as minuscule as the angle of the tire and the difference of of ten centimeters or less. I accept that, but the fact that we are not hearing this from race direction, we are hearing this from reporters or people who have worked in the business, former employees, not just with Dorna, but with the people who design these sensors, that needs to change. If, I shouldn't say if, race direction needs to do right by the fans. They need to be consistent 
and offer an ex- and not offer but give an explanation, a detailed explanation as to how they came about that decision or didn't make the decision. Because this whole keeping us in the dark thing is fucking bullshit. They're, 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 Dorna and the FIM are treating us like cattle. They're treating us as if we are all we are is a source of income. We are just a number. We are not human beings. We are, we are a dollar sign, a euro sign. That needs to stop. And that is my main issue. And I get it. Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it's a cesspit. And I do contribute to that more times than I should. But the <laughs> the, the single-digit people who are listening to this right who are listening to this and I appreciate you don't get me wrong I love you guys I even the ones that don't listen I love you guys um fuck I lost my train of thought <laughs> but you know it's okay now I just regained it I love this sport I love racing it is something that I care deeply about, as you guys can, as you guys have seen and heard. And sometimes, and sometimes I get pretty fucking negative about it. That's because I am tired. I am tired of seeing the same mistakes. Over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't seem like there's any initiative, any desire to change. And maybe there is, but nobody's... And, and maybe this is me not having the, 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 um, the sources or, or the websites to go to. And if there is, if somebody, can, if somebody wants to guide me in that direction, please... Please tell me. And and that's the other thing I will do is I will try to find these different sources. Um, because I'm definitely not I'm definitely not one of those who has connections and inside scoops. I'm definitely not. I'm only going based off of based off of what I, what I'm able, currently able to see and hear. And what I see in here is silence from the FIM and Dorna. I hear every I hear everything I hear is from the media from is from the media and it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't have Simon or the reporters trying to justify race direction. They're able to speak for themselves. So they should Okay, you didn't give Maverick a penalty. Why was that? Tell us. That's all I'm asking. We'll start we'll start with that and work our way up. But if this is if this is the the 
if this is what we're going to have to deal with, this is unacceptable. And I get it. Simon probably hears this a lot, and he, and he hears a lot, and he hears a problem from people who aren't like me and don't really care about the sport. But I care. And, you know, I'm not saying that that they're not good people there. They're good people. I don't doubt that there's some good people there. But I also believe that there's some people who shouldn't be there. And are there because of either nepotism or because of complacency or lack of motivation. Um, but I've also worked with people who were good-hearted, had, were good-hearted, jovial, positive people that you want to hang out after work. But when you worked with them, you wanted to bash their fucking head into a wall for one reason or another, either because they were just too, either because they were too retarded to do their job or they were too lazy to do their job. You, know, you can you can be you can be a fun guy, fun man or woman, or a good man or woman, and be horrible at your job. So, it's nothing personal against those people, unless they're choosing to not want to change. Now, if it's Dorna or if it's someone above them that's telling them that they, that they, that they can't change, that's, that's a different subject. But if they have the ability and the approval to change and they're unwilling to change, then that becomes personal. Because I'm investing, you know, whatever these fucking video passes are every year and... This this is this is what I get. I get to post memes that I, I well I let me let me backtrack. I talk about the same thing and and post the meme and post different versions of the same fucking memes almost every week. And that's and that subject is Ray Stewart's. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, and this on a positive note. Again, huge. I, I I can't I can't emphasize enough how cool it is to see Polis Bargro finish. 12th after coming back from the the multiple um, career threatening injuries it wasn't just one because um, I I think I read somewhere that he's one he's one one and a half centimeter shorter now um, and I also think that I, I don't know how true it is but apparently he had his whole lower jaw either reconstructed uh, the dude was fucked up and for him to come back his first race, finish 12th, that is awesome. Kudos to Pole. 
and kudos to Miguel and all the RNF uh, Aprilia writers and, and team members and even Raslan Rosali. I'll just say Raslan because I'm pretty sure I got his last name wrong. Um, but kudos to them. And I will... Um, next week, I'm not sure I'll have a podcast. It all depends on what transpires uh, because I'm pretty sure we don't have a race next week. Um, let me just double check that. GB schedule. I had it, and maybe maybe if I actually fucking spell it right. Um, so yeah, next week we do not have a race. We will have a race on the twentieth, which is next. In yeah, it's on the twentieth. So I may or may not have a podcast next week again. It depends on on the news. Um, that comes out of F1 and MotoGP. I'm probably going to watch... Um, well, I am going to watch the, the IMSA race at Road America, which is an awesome fucking track. Um, if you guys have not watched a race at that track, please, if you have time, watch any race. It doesn't have to be IMSA. It can be IndyCar. Road America is one of the, one of the best tracks to race at. Um, and once you see the track layout and see the race, you'll understand why. Um, so yeah, whether I whether I talk to you guys next week or the week after, until then, stay safe, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>